Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Judge Jackson wouldn't address broad patterns in her rulings because she said it was unfair. An endless circle of evasion. The Senate is on track to have Judge Jackson confirmed as Justice Jackson. Putin's invasion of Ukraine, we can see the spread of chemical weapons uh, into our uh, countries. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It's News and Views for a political trivia Thursday. Suddenly I appear on the TV. <laughs> Empty seat to uh, there I am. Uh, political trivia later in the program, your category is congressional law. It is a fun question. Okay, so don't let the category intimidate you. It is a fun question, and uh, it probably go pretty quick. We'll play in a little bit. Got a good prize package, as always. By the way, the Interbanks network of uh, radio stations is in the midst of the Children's Miracle Network Radiothon. Your contributions will go to the James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital. If you would like to donate to this worthy cause, the number to call is 1-800-673-KIDS. K-I-D-S, or 1-800-673-5437. And we're going to be talking to Rhonda James in just a little bit from the uh, Children's Hospital, the annual Radiothon for the James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital. Hard to believe it's been a year since we last did this. But uh, it is an event that will take us through uh, tomorrow afternoon at this time. So uh, give us a call. Again, that number, one 800 673 5437, or you can text ENC Kids to 51555. That's 51555. Lots to talk about as always today. Got a good program lined up for you. I mentioned this yesterday the Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson and uh, the fact that the liberal media across the state is really trying to. just put a black mark on our lieutenant governor. And this, listen, this is something that he has volunteered. When he was 20 or 21 years old, he and the his to-be wife, young couple, dating, and um, Yolanda was her name, is her name. He's married to now. Uh, she got pregnant, and uh, he paid for Yolanda to have an abortion. Um, again, numerous media outlets are covering this, and I hate to say it, but somewhat gleefully, as they try to darken the reputation of Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, and it, it's irritating. WITN is reporting yesterday a 10-year-old Facebook post resurfaced where Robinson said he paid for the abortion. In a video posted to the lieutenant governor's official Facebook page, Robinson is seen speaking with his wife, Yolanda, sitting beside him, quote, over 33 years ago. And again, this is not somebody that he was cornered and a reporter stuck a microphone in his face and said, we've got you on video. Is it true that you you, you paid for an abortion? He, He volunteered all this. He said, over 33 years ago, before we were married and before we had kids, we had an abortion, said Robinson. It was the hardest moment we've ever made, and sadly, we made the wrong one. 
when Robinson ran for lieutenant governor, he made abortion a big part of his campaign, but he never publicly mentioned the 1989 abortion. Legally, I know he was an adult. But you know what? I mean, who was who was the uh, was it uh, Churchill that said, you know, if you're if you're 20 and you're not a liberal, you have no heart. If you're 50 and you're not a conservative, you have no brain. I'm probably misquoting that a little bit, but you know what? We we evolve in our thinking and in our maturity. Quote: We know what it is like to be in that situation. We know the pain an abortion can cause. He said. And I don't know how much younger Yolanda is than Mark, but he at the time, at the, at the most, was 21. Very well might have been 20. So he and his wife, a young couple, and listen, there's so much irony in this from the left as they as they try to paint Mark and Yolanda with this brush of, oh, oh hypocrisy. They came out and have volunteered this information. Mark and Yolanda, the other irony of this is they did, when they were 20 years old, they did exactly what liberals wanted them to do and told them to do. Listen, and this is exactly what Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, this is the modus operandi behind her and Planned Parenthood. What it was designed to do, it was designed to, I'm putting it blunt here, but this is the truth, to kill little black babies. The liberals continue to propagate the idea that abortion's no big deal. And conservatives are evil if they don't respect a woman's right to choose. And, and what are they doing to Yolanda Robinson here? You talk about hypocrites. The hypocrites are the media. They're double standard. And again, Mark Robinson, listen, when we run for public office, are we supposed to volunteer everything that we've ever done wrong in our lives, even back prior to our married years when we were dating? I don't think so. And again, Mark Robinson has not tried to hide this. This is something that he volunteered well before he ever ran for lieutenant governor. Enough said on that. Although I, I would like to get Rob uh, Mark on the phone. Maybe we'll get him on the phone tomorrow. Let him share his side of the story, unfiltered. President Biden said uh, today that uh, when asked about the sanctions on Russia's invasion, of course, he's over with the other NATO allies. Um, he said, he said this once before, it's like, okay, why, why do we have sanctions? He said, sanctions never deter the maintenance of sanctions, the increasing, the pain. Why I asked this for NATO meeting today is to be sure that a month after we will sustain what we're doing, not just next month, the following month, but for the remainder of the entire year. Uh, I'm reading that verbatim. You, you can sort of, again, this is coming from Uncle Joe. What will stop him, Biden said, referring to uh, Putin, the single most important thing for us is to stay unified and the world continue to focus on what a brute this guy is, all the innocent lives that are being lost and ruined and what is going on, Biden had. Biden said Russia should be removed from the G7, uh, the G20. And uh, 
that happens in Indonesia later this year. Uh, we'll, I mean, this would be really odd. <laughs> You're going to have the G20 with all these nations and Russia's going to be there as if nothing bad has happened. Uh, Biden also came out and said that the United States is going to send a billion dollars in humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Um, you know, n- nothing earth shattering really coming out of this NATO meeting. I guess the uh, main purpose is to show, quote, the unity of it all. Um, you know, there was an interesting piece. Let's see if I can find it in my uh, stack of uh, papers here. That uh, concerning, it's, it's a long piece, and it's, it's, it's really too long to, to read, but it's out of just the news. It's a great piece, and if you go to the Just the News website, that's the John Solomon website, uh, he wrote an article today, and he he uses some information out of his book, Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, and the Washington Lies that Enriched the Clinton and the Biden Dynasties. Uh, he talks about the fact that Putin's spoils are measured in billions, and uh, things like the Clinton Foundation and the Biden family, they're measured in millions. The appeasement policy began back in February of 2009. Russia had invaded Georgia, its neighbor. The lame duck George W. Bush administration planned to put missile defense structures in Eastern Europe to deter Russia. But one of the Obama-Biden administration's first foreign policy maneuvers was to cancel that plan via a secret letter to Putin's placeholder, Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev. Why? U.S. leaders apparently wanted to make deals with Russia and giant missile silos in Putin's backyard were a non-starter for Moscow. But the canceled missile defense in Eastern Europe was only the beginning of a long line of concessions to Russia that not only emboldened Putin but advanced Russian military capabilities. The last few years have seen dangerous drift in relations between Russia and members of our alliance, Biden said at the Munich Security Conference in February of 2009, it's time to paraphrase President Obama. It's time to press the reset button. Remember the reset button that Hillary presented to uh, Sergei, um, what is his last name, her, her counterpart from Russia? By 2010, the Obama-Biden-Russia reset was in full swing. The administration put forth a mutual nuclear disarmament treaty known as New START, which, while noble in its declared intentions, risked weakening a complement partner such as the United States while strengthening a Russian non-constrained by the rules. I mean, who other than Obama and Biden? I mean, the Democrats constantly are doing these kind of idiotic deals where we are hamstrung and our enemies can do whatever they want. I mean, it's identical to what we see in the Iranian deal that Biden is trying to restart now that Obama pushed through. Uh, Remember, too, that it was the Obama-Biden-Clinton team that gave one of the biggest prizes of all to Russia, Uranium One, which was a Canadian company. And listen, the Obama administration could have nixed this deal. Investors in the deal had funneled 
It, it went through. And by the way, its assets were in Wyoming, Utah, and other states. Constituted approximately 20% of U.S. uranium capacity. Investors in that deal that made big bucks off this funneled $145 million into Secretary Clinton's family foundation. Peter Schweitzer broke the Uranium One story in 2015. Jose Fernandez took the fall. Said, oh, it was my deal. It's my fault. Blame me. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't Clinton, it wasn't Biden, it wasn't Obama, it was me. Fernandez later landed a very rewarding position at the Clinton Connected Center for American Progress. Fernandez has now come back through the revolving door and is now a top official in the Biden State Department. You can't make it up. Eric Holder's Justice Department swept Russia crimes under the rug, not wanting to disrupt the Russian reset. So the Russian spy ring, known as Illegals Program, which had penetrated the highest levels of American politics and finance, just went away. William Campbell, an American intelligence operative turned whistleblower, was handcuffed. Now, he wanted to uh, expose multiple Russian bribery, kickbacks, and money laundering conspiracies. And yeah, the, the the culprits on the American side that make all the money, they were right involved in it. But Campbell was handcuffed by the Justice Department. His FBI handlers told him it was due to politics, quote, politics. When Obama's DOJ finally got around to indicting Putin's nuclear agents for bribery, kickbacks, and money laundering, they were given slap-on-the-wrist sentences. Perhaps the worst of all of the Obama-Biden-Clinton giveaways to Putin was known as the Skolkovo initiative. Skolkovo in suburbs of Moscow was the site of a Russian attempt to create its own Silicon Valley. Remember that? And remember how they were just all about this. This is going to be just so good and so fair. We're going to share the technology of our Silicon Valley. Everybody will be on equal footing. I remember at the time thinking, why in the world would you ever do this? Why are you going to give away information and and know-how? And, and, you know, their, their thought was, well, listen, the Internet, uh, it's a worldwide deal. Nobody owns that, and we should just be generous with giving Russia what they want. The Clinton State Department heavily promoted the effort. As it happens, Clinton's big tech donors comprised 17 of the 28 American partners in Skolkovo. In reality, it was a cyber warfare tech hub and a thinly veiled cover for corporate espionage. That's what people said. That's what conservatives said at the time. A 2012 U.S. Army report put it this way. Skolkovo is arguably an overt alternative to clandestine industrial espionage with the additional distinction that it can achieve such a transfer on a much larger scale and more efficiently. Skolkovo has, in fact, been involved in defense-related activities since December of 2011 when it approved the first weapons-related project, the development of a, you ready for this? A hypersonic cruise missile engine. Yeah, where did they get it from? From us. So Obama, Biden, and Clinton helped the Russians secure innovative technology and weaponry, including hypersonic missiles that are now, according to the United States Air Force, more advanced than American weapons. By 2013, Putin had taken Americans to the cleaners. He had gotten massive energy supplies that he now uses as strategic weapons. 
He got toothless disarmament treaties that history suggests he will not abide by. They never abide by it. <laughs> America has to. Oh, United States. I mean, remember when Trump came in and wanted to undo the Iranian deal and did. Fortunately, he did because it wasn't a ratified treaty. But what did the liberals say? Oh, you can't do this. Our word has got to be good. Our allies will never trust us ever again if you don't adhere to this ridiculous Iranian deal. What are Americans getting in return? Not much. Here's the simple test. Has your utility bill gotten cheaper since 2009? It did under Trump, but it's, it's well ahead of where it was now, where it was then. Uh, Obama, Clinton, and Biden got a lot. Just one example before Obama even left office in 2017, he set up the Obama Foundation. One of his very first donors was Exelon Corporation, which had received billions in cheap Russian nuclear fuel sales thanks to the 123 agreement that Obama signed off on. And the, uh, by the way, the Exelon Corporation was owned by a big donor to Obama. You know, you look at Obama, who just seems to be independently wealthy, and you, you, you ask the question, where's this guy getting all his money from? Oh, he wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, he wrote a book. He's getting paid off big time, just like Hunter Biden is. I mean, they hand out to their buddies all kinds of lucrative contracts, and who gets paid off? They do. A little wink and a nod nod. Biden's family and its partners got hooked up with the former mayor of Moscow, who sent uh, Hunter $3.5 million. Um, as mentioned, the Clinton Foundation got $145 million in donations from Uranium One. On top of that, the Clintons got $500,000 in the form of a speaking fee. Now, who would pay Bill Clinton a half a million dollars to come over? And, I did not have sex with that woman. The reset and shambles the Obama-Biden-Clinton players pivoted to Ukraine in 20, uh, 2014. The U.S. helped overthrow the pro-Russia-Ukrainian president, Viktor Yakovich, and installed a more Western-friendly regime. You know, you could ask yourself, I, I, again, when you, when you consider that, what Obama, Biden, and Clinton did with— Now, granted, he was a, he was a, a despot, and, you know, he was a, a puppet for— Putin, I'm not saying he was any saint, but is that a part of why we see what is happening now in Ukraine? Just asking. Just asking. Yeah, it is. It's bad. It's bad. Hey, we got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. It is the uh, Radiothon. We're in the midst of the Children's Miracle Network Radiothon. If you'd like to make a donation to the James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital, give them a call. one 800 673-5437. We'll be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Uh, the showers will taper off. Hopefully, they'll be gone by 7 o'clock. And uh, we have a low tonight of 52. The clouds will be around uh, tomorrow in the morning. Cloudy, gradually becoming sunny. The high is only going to be 68 tomorrow. Not a bad day, though. Tomorrow night, the low around 47 with partly cloudy skies. Saturday is going to stay cool. The high of Saturday with sunshine 
is only 62 degrees, so all in all, a little cooler than we expected, but not too bad. 50 years ago today, 1972, The Godfather, starring Marlon Brando. Yeah. And Al Pacino came out. Hardly believe Boy, I really feel old. Uh, weather and uh, trivia brought to you by Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Warmer weather is right around the corner. What a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in on the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? Ironwood's new social membership includes access to their competition-sized swimming pool, clay surface tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. With me right now is Elise Ironmonger, who is the program coordinator for the Children's Miracle Network. And we are in the midst of their Radiothon, an annual event which benefits the James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital. At least welcome in. Thank you so much for having me. Let's make sure there's your mic up. Oh. Uh, there you go. Um, well, how's it going today? It's going It's going all right. Okay. Yeah, it's been, it's been a busy day. We've um, just been so thankful for all of our CUNY members in the Eastern North Carolina calling in and, and pledging their support today. It's been great. And this is not just a Greenville event. This no. is an Eastern North Carolina event. It is. We serve 29 counties. Wow. Our Children's Hospital does. So wow. basically, if you're east of I-95... That's you're, a quarter of the state. It really, More than yeah, a quarter it, of the state. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a third, a good third. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we, we take care of teeny tiny babies all the way up to 18, you know, years old um, and everyone in between. So where do the funds go exactly? So we fund life-saving equipment and support programs and services. Um, and one of the most recent things we funded is our new PICU. So we, we What's had a PICU? a PICU is a pediatric intensive care unit. And so that's the unit where the sickest of the sick go. Mm. They're really, really, um, they really, really, really need that intensive care. And so we had a 12 bed unit um, and it was great. We provided really great care there, but it was a little bit outdated. And so um, I have, I'll show you here too. Um, we were able to renovate it. And, and what they really focused on was making it um, more kid-friendly. When you walk into to the new part of James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital, it's light, it's bright, it's airy. There's the under-the-sea theme. Um, and so they they updated that that PICU to, to feel like that. And then they really centered on the family. They um, created a dedicated space in every single room for the family members, a, chow, a couch that pulls out into a bed. Um, and then So mom or dad can stay yes, over. Yes, with that child. They, don't, they yeah. don't have to leave their bedside, which is, you know, amazing when you're child is in critical condition well amazing for mom or dad and amazing for the kid oh can you imagine yeah. yeah they can stay right there with them and then um you know a nourishment room so they don't have to worry about getting food it's right there for them and then something else we had um dr ledoux um the the head of the children's hospital come in today and he explained too like showers they had a shower in the building but it was out down the thing around the corner now they have a facility in that unit they're right there to take care of themselves but they they're feet away from their child now. So they really redesigned it to be for not just the patient, but, the, but the, for the whole family. So what is the capacity of the PICU? 12. Okay. 12 and, beds. and how, is it always at capacity? Yes. It yes, is. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many years ago did the, the children's hospital start? Um, so we started as a children's hospital in 1986. Okay. And then um, in 2013 is when we opened up the James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital. Which... It made it extensively state of the art. I mean, oh. just re they really put 
so much thought into every single detail of that facility, and it makes such a difference. How do you go about deciding? Uh, I, I mean, you, you've talked about where the money goes, mm-hmm. but obviously you've got short-term ideas of this is what we'd like to do, yep. but then you probably, obviously somebody had a long-term vision to even consider starting the James and Connie Maynard yep. Hospital. So explain the, the short vision, the short-term vision versus the long-term vision. Well, for the actual facility, we had our staff travel the whole country and look at different children's hospitals. Hmm. They went and they said, we love that part, we love that part, we love that part, and they put it all together to create this. That was wise. So wise. And then now, every single year, the beautiful part about CMN is that for the specific items that we fund, they tell us. So the Children's Hospital does their, you know, they, they, they're the ones treating, they're the ones seeing the patients every day. And they come to us and they say, we need eight new Draeger inky warmers in the NICU and this is why. Because these are XYZ, these are outdated, blah, blah, blah. We need an ECMO machine because of XYZ. We need a new PICU renovation because of XYZ. And they come to us and they say, this is why we need it. And we say, yep, we think you do. We keep track. They, they report back to us. We, we really want to make sure the money is used now, well, let me ask the question that a skeptic might be thinking. Wouldn't you go out and buy these things anyway? We They, they don't have the money for yeah. that. The cap, yeah, they just don't, we, they would not be able to do these amazing things without our amazing CMN donors. So these are extra, in yes. other words, if, if this wasn't taking place, you they all wouldn't. would survive, but it would be, it would be going out and buying last year's well, and technology. Also, or children would have to go farther to receive the treatment. So, for example, right. our ECMO machine. It's basically a heart and lung bypass. Um, and we were just able to purchase our first one with CMN funds a few years ago. And so before that, if a child was in critical care and their lungs or their heart were failing, they had to go to Raleigh. Hmm. And that's an extra hour and a half drive right. that they would have to survive to get there. But now they don't have to. Right. It's right, right. here. Right. Mm-hmm. The number to call is 1-800-673-5437. 1-800-673-KIDS. So what is the goal? Is I, I, Obviously, you have a number in the back of your mind that you tr- you'd like to attain. Yes. We, we did 111,000 last year, and that was, that was a big year for us. And so, of course, this year we would love to blow that, okay. blow that out of the water. We're a little bit behind where we were last year at this time. At this time. A little bit, a little bit. So we really hope um, everyone will, will call well, in their right donations. People today. are yep. saying, how can I fill up my gas tank? I and, know, uh, so. I know. But I mean, every cent, I mean, if you can only do five, ten dollars, right. 100% of that will go towards this. Towards the goal. You were telling me before uh, we went on the air that uh, Children's Miracle Network is actually a nationwide organization. And your project is the James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital. Yeah. How did you uh how did the, how did you at the Children's Miracle Network meld together with the uh the, the Children's Hospital? Yeah, so back in 1986, um his name was Dr. Tinglestad, um, um started the pediatric unit at whatever Pitt Memorial Hospital at the right, time. Right. And and so what you do is you apply to be a seaman hospital. You apply to be part of their their network. And he saw the vision. He heard about it, it was um Marie Osmond and um, John Schneider back in the day. They started with the um, classic telethon. Right. Um, and, and they heard about it and um, they wanted to be a part of it. They thought it was a really great the the national network but with the local 
focus. Now, do you also still do the the national telethon? We do. We do our telethon with WITN every year. And um, we're actually one of only like 10 hospitals that still does that. Um, so you've got a special in with WITN. I kind of do. <laughs> I kind of know If you someone. recognize the name Ironmonger. Yes. Yes. Um, and and that's now what's been, it going to do about this weather? I know. I'm sorry about today. Well, and I was driving here, you know, at what, five something in the morning and the thunder and lightning it was oh, it was crazy yeah today. i don't know what time it came over my house but it was loud <sighs> yeah yeah um but no we've been so lucky we love working on that project together and that's been really fun every year to how do many that. how many um divisions of the children miracle network are... there's 170 hospitals okay between canada and the u.s um that are that are cmn hospitals dedicated to to pediatric patients so all of children's miracle network uh, associations are with a children's hospital yes. somewhere. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And some Very of good. some of them are children's hospital standalone, or some of uh, them are like us that were a children's hospital within another larger uh, medical system. But yes, we all 100% focus on on children. Great deal. Yeah. Well, thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. Thank and, you for having uh, me. Again, let me give you that number: one eight hundred six seven three K I D S or one eight hundred six seven three fifty four thirty seven. Uh, We're going to take a time out, but when we come back, we're going to play political trivia. So give us a call on our political trivia line, 561-8255. Got a good prize package, a good question for you. So give us a call. We'll play political trivia when we get back. Welcome back in. Time for a little political trivia. I think we've got a line or two open. 561-8255 if you want to play. Category. It's going to be a fun question, I promise. Congressional law. Prize package includes a gift certificate to the Ironwood Golf Course. A gift card for University PC. No, that's not on the list. I, mean, I, I, I lied to you. That's not on the list. But what is, is, you know what? I We've got a gift certificate here for $100 to any of the H&R Block um, Kidwell franchises. I've got a, I've got an old list here, Keith. Keith Kidwell's in the room, so I got to make sure Keith Kidwell is pleased with my uh, <laughs> introduction of his prize package. Uh, we got a twenty dollar gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Uh, we got a twenty dollar gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden. A gift certificate from Fit for Life twenty four, including two free. Cha- fra- <laughs> it's one of those days. Two free training sessions. And a free oil change for your car pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. First up from Greenville, it's Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing well. You ready to play? Yes, sir. All right. You're our guinea pig, the, the brave <laughs> guy who calls before he hears the question. Here you go. Right. During this week, of March the 21st, 140 years ago, Congress passed a law forbidding a certain religious practice. What did this federal law forbid? Oh, that's a tough one, Tom. You'll be kicking oh, yourself sorry. when you hear the answer. <laughs> um, why would uh, sacrifices? 
Yeah, I don't think I think that was forbidden before. <laughs> but that was a, that was a good guess. You 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 came up with something. Anyway, think about it and give us a call back. 561-8255. During this week of March the 21st, 140 years ago, Congress passed a law forbidding a certain religious practice. What did this law forbid? And uh little hint for you. This law is still on the books, but there are some who ignore the law, and it appears that there's no real ramifications. 140 years ago this week, 561-8255, 561-TALK. Let's go to John. Hey, John. John, you with us? Hey, Tom. Yes, sir. Yeah, Tom. What do you think? Uh, they, uh, they did uh, banned snake handling. Banned snake handling. That's a good guess. That's not it. That oh, is not man. it. It's Have a good day. yeah. Appreciate it, John. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Oriental. Gary is on the line. Hey, Gary. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. What I'm do gonna, you think? I'm going to take a shot and say polygamy. That's it. That is it. <laughs> yeah, the practice of polygamy. March twenty second, eighteen eighty two. The United States Congress said no. We're going to limit you to one, and it was really aimed at the Mormon uh, denomination out in Utah. Where are you calling from, Gary? I'm from Oriental, and I used to live in Utah for a year, and I got it right off the top. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Gary, thanks for uh, calling in. You are our winner. Hang on the line. Clark's going to get all your info. Stay with us. I'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to Gary Shellbetter from uh, Oriental, North Carolina. He got it right. Interesting. We have listeners from all over the country. He's from Utah, so he got it. March 22nd, 1882, 140 years ago this week, the practice of polygamy is outlawed by legislation in the United States Congress President Chester Arthur would sign the act into law one day after passage by Congress. The law would make polygamy a felony. Enforcement began in 1887. Interestingly, only against men. Society thought that women were the victims and the practice uh, of the practice, therefore not subject to prosecution. So, uh, yeah, 140 years ago today. But, you know, what about um, the uh, Sisters' Wives program? that's out there now and and i actually looked that up and apparently eh, not a lot being done technically he's breaking the law but not a lot being done i guess his ratings are too good something like that what do they say some sometimes you don't have to be married to one person to have uh, one spouse too many not me not me (laughs) not me dear um by the way, talked about uh, 50 years ago today, um, The Godfather was released. 64 years ago today, 1958, at age 23, Elvis Presley was inducted into the Army in Memphis. Oh, sugar. Oh. <laughs> Good timing oh. there, Clark. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? You look back on that and with admiration. That's one of the reasons why I liked Elvis. Oh. He didn't try to get out of it. He, he thought it was an honor. Interesting, the uh, Katanji Brown Jackson fiasco. Well, it's it's just starting, but her uh, 
confirmation hearing is done. But but this is this is wild. The Washington Post editorial board. <laughs> Talk about chutzpah. Um, they have come out and said Katanji Brown Jackson has endured worse treatment during her Supreme Court confirmation hearing than Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> now, remember, they accused Brett Kavanaugh of gang rape. Quote, this is out of their editorial. Quote, during the hearings, Republicans such as Lindsey Graham have congratulated themselves for declining to treat Judge Jackson the way Democrats handled the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh, the Post wrote. In fact, by the most relevant measures, Mr. Graham and a handful of other Judiciary Committee Republicans have handed, handled themselves worse. The Post argued that Jackson has been smeared by Republicans who invoked what they called her soft sentencing on child pornography offenders and also complained about questioning by Senator Marsha Blackburn on transgender individuals and Senator and, and asking the horrible question of what's the definition of a woman, <laughs> to which the uh, nominee said, I'm not a biologist, don't ask me. Senator Ted Cruz's critique of critical race theories of influence at a Georgetown day school where she was on the board. The Post repeated the frequent mantra in the media that Kavanaugh was credibly accused of sexual assault, referring to Christine Blasey Ford's claim. Kavanaugh attacked her at a high school party in the early 1980s. Kavanaugh's confirmation vote was delayed for a federal investigation I mean, does the Post think that this was happened eons ago and nobody remembers this? Ford was unable to produce cooperating evidence or witnesses, nor could she exactly say when or where the attack occurred. But the Post says Kavanaugh was credibly accused. At one point, remember Julie Swetnick, represented by now convicted felon Michael Avenatti, she came forward to accuse Kavanaugh of participating in gang rapes at parties in high schools. I mean, this was a narcissist moment of fame. Why she was not dragged in for lying before Congress. Uh, the wild allegation was so unproven, but still made its way into the congressional record. Swetnick eventually changed her story from her initial sworn statement, and the claim is widely viewed as salacious and discredited. All 10 Senate Judiciary Committee Democrats said at the time that President Trump should withdraw Kavanaugh's nomination over Swetnick's allegation or order an FBI investigation into all charges against him. And they say that Kavanaugh was treated better than how they treated Katenji Brown-Jackson. Kavanaugh was aggressively questioned by Senate Democrats about his high school days and his drinking habits. He was even asked what code messages were in his high school yearbook. Several said he was not entitled to the presumption of innocence since it was a job. It was uh, a job interview. Uh, he was not. Yeah, that's what it said, that he was not entitled to a presumption of innocence since it was a job interview and not a court of law. And they believed he was guilty of what Ford accused. While Jackson's proceedings have been relatively quiet, Kavanaugh were repeatedly interrupted even before this assault accusation rocked the, the country. Remember when uh, Judge uh, or uh, Senator Grassley was making his introductory remarks? He was interrupt, interrupted probably 30 times. 
point of order, point of order. He could not get two sentences out before, and it was off stage. It was choreographed. Senator Mazi Hirano from Hawaii told men across the country to shut up over Kavanaugh, and she said she disbelieved his denials because of his past judicial rulings. <laughs> Unbelievable. Christine Gillibrand from New York declared she believed Ford because she was telling the truth. Apparently, she has a special gift that none of the rest of us have, and that Kavanaugh's lack of desire for a federal investigation was evidence of his guilt. Yeah. You know, you denied it, so therefore you must be guilty. Oh, you don't want a thorough investigation by the FBI, therefore you must be guilty. The Post made no mention of the details of the Kavanaugh proceeding, instead fretting that some GOP members' questions overshadowed what should have been the order of the day, recognizing the nomination of Jackson, who would become the first black woman on the United States Supreme Court. Well, why do you put the word woman in there? We don't know what the definition of a woman is. We're not biologists. Help us. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. The Washington Post. Wow. By the way, uh, earlier today, uh, President Biden said he was not concerned about the 2024 election when asked about the possibility of Donald Trump or someone similar becoming president. The issue came up during the press conference in Brussels. Uh, the next election, I'd be very fortunate if I had the same man running against me, Biden said. Well, hey, Tom. Can, Keith Kidwell. I, yes, sir. I'm sorry. I just I couldn't resist. You couldn't resist. Um, good evening and thank you. When I look at in my lifetime, you know, we talk about Kavanaugh recently. Um, anybody remember Clarence Thomas? Listen. By, by the way, yesterday <coughs> or, I was or, talking. I was, that was my or Robert Bork. I mean, it's actually a thing now to Bork somebody. Yeah, yeah. that's where the term came from. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And then they're, they're going to sit here and say she was treated poorly. I think she was handled with kid gloves. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. It, it's absolutely ridiculous that they could even think these things. But yeah, we've said this before on the show. If it weren't for double standards, Democrats would have yeah. none. I mean, it's, it's quite that simple. So, you know, they asked her what a woman is. She can't define it. And if you can't define the word woman, you don't belong sitting on the, the highest court in the land. By the way, um, Queen Nancy is quite um, enthralled with our president. She was uh, at the uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson Presidential Library, and uh, she's been interviewed. And this is what she had to say about our president. Cut one. He's perfect for now. I mean, it would have been perfect then, but perfect. We need him now because he, as I said before, showed progress, shows, gives hope, shows empathy for the needs that people have. But in everything that he does, he is so inclusive by making sure that everything is about justice, about whether we're talking about lowering the cost of health care, lowering the cost of child care, universal pre-K, home health care, all the things that are transformative as we try to, as we try to help people not only survive, but to succeed. But to succeed. These are transformative things. Yeah, they're socialist projects that the Democrats want to use to buy your vote to transform us into a total, pure socialist society. You, know, you cannot make this stuff up. <laughs> I mean, 
she is the she is like it or not now i feel sorry for the democrats to have to say this to you but she's the party the face of the party and so she therefore needs to back her guy but listen uh he's perfect for now uh now being the last year that we've lived through afghanistan our nations don't trust us they don't return joe biden's calls he calls up a leader of another nation and they, nah, we're not taking the call. Um, inflation. Have you looked at inflation, Nancy? Mr. Uh, your guy, Mr. Perfect. Not too good on that. Um, gas prices, border crisis, supply chain crisis. And now we are dealing with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And again, you, as, as I just outlined early in the program, you look back at the Obama-Biden-Clinton era and uh, they were the ones that set up the catastrophe that's going on right now. By the way, Daryl Issa is demanding the White House officials and big tech companies preserve any records pertaining to the suppression of Hunter Biden stories so that Republicans can launch an investigation once they win back the majority in the midterm elections. This is really interesting. I mean, when was the last time you remember, has it ever happened? Maybe back during Watergate, which, by the way, Daryl Issa says this is bigger than Watergate. But won't, you, you have, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch people run for these midterm elections for the House and the Senate, basically saying, uh, vote for me and I will make sure that the president's son goes to jail. <laughs> That's basically what we're looking forward to. But uh, he says, you know what? Uh, don't destroy any evidence. Now, remember, let us not forget, that's exactly what Hillary Clinton did. She purposely deleted uh, materials that she was told to preserve. And uh, yeah, yeah, cell phone, I've just disappeared. I don't know. Just Oh, the, the hard drive? You mean like wipe it clean with a rag? Remember that? And yet James Comey came out and said, well, she didn't mean to. She didn't mean to. So, you know, there was no intent there. So, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to charge her with anything. Listen, I am sure the people in the White House are well aware that uh, Hillary Clinton got away with it. I would not be a bit surprised to see things disappear between now and then. In moments left, as we close things out, Keith Kidwell in the studio getting ready to do his uh, tax talk show. How is Proctor doing? You announced last week during your show that uh, Proctor had a stroke. How's he doing? Yeah, so he is, uh, you know, he's still with us. Praise God for that. And he's, he's got some loss of use on the right side of his body, a little bit of speech. They're working very well with the speech, getting that to come back. He may well dial in tonight, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, he's going to have a long road to uh, recovery. We're very hopeful that he'll get some, if not all, of the use back on the right side. You, you were telling me earlier there was a couple of hopeful signs. Yeah, so he has a sense of feeling. If somebody touches him, he can actually feel that contact, and uh, the doctors indicate that that's a very positive thing. Uh, if he had lost a feeling, then they, it would be a little bit, uh, a little bit more difficult. But uh, they say that would work. They're doing electronic stimulation. They get him up uh, in the morning, has breakfast, has to take a shower. They give him a time limit, so it's like a, an exercise. And now, then, he's in the hospital right now. So he's in the uh, rehab center behind okay. the children's hospital. Okay. And they're, they're working with him daily from 7.30 in the morning until about 3 in the afternoon. They've got him up doing all types of wow. exercise. So. Well, tell him we said hi. I heard him last week on your program and on the way home. And I, I, 
had I not known from talking to you that he had had a stroke, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known it just yeah. to hear his voice. His voice sounded very strong. So, Proctor, if you're listening, we're praying for you and uh, look forward to having you back in the studios. Well, at least by next year, maybe before then. Stay tuned. Keith uh, Kidwell and his son coming up live for Tax Talk. Stay with us for him. Come back for me tomorrow. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.